0: Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, ROLMT.com, or download our app. Just search ROLMT in your app store. Thanks. Well, good morning, River of Life. I'm glad that you're here. Will you look at the person on the right of you and the person on the left of you and realize you are the smart ones who do not go camping on Memorial Day weekend. It rains every year. I don't, I don't understand. Um, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad you're in the house. And I'm excited about what God is doing. I, I talked to uh, Zeb and Stacy in Star Valley yesterday. And I said, hey, what's the weather like there? You know, what's the weekend going to look like? And he said, oh, it's raining. And I was like, hey, it, that's just the way it is. I think that's just what Memorial Day weekend is his reign. So uh, so we're glad Star Valley is with us live this morning as well. Would you give them a round of applause? Super exciting to see what God is doing there and will continue to do. And for those who are going to watch uh, later on in the week in Malawi and in Alaska and in the jail, we're just super excited to see what God is doing. He continues to open up doors and he never ceases to amaze us. Amen. Hey, if you missed serve day last week, you missed out because we had an incredible time. It was like the one day of the week that was sunny. Amen. And uh, it was beautiful. And we got to go out and we got to serve our community. We had almost 200 people show up to serve last Sunday. And uh, that was incredible. So we are, we're excited. Next year, we're going to do it a little earlier. In the, in the month so that more, we won't be conflicting with some of the graduations that were happening and other things. But we want as many people to participate in that. But guess what? You don't have to wait till serve day. Like Bob was saying, there's opportunity to serve every week at River of Life. Every Saturday, there are ministries that happen from this place that go out and, and impact the community. So if you have not yet been a part of any of those, I would encourage you to hop onto the app Check a few of the boxes of some of the things that you'd be interested in, and that ministry lead will get in contact with you and give you a little bit more detail about what it's like to participate with them. And so we just thank you for your involvement in that, and we're excited to see what God is going to do. Well, we've been in a series that uh, Hunter actually started a few weeks back called Essential, and, uh, and we today are going to talk about faith. So I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 11. I've got quite a few verses that I'm going to read with you this morning, so you just bear with me as we go through this. Uh, Hebrews eleven verse one says this. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what we what is seen was not made out of what is visible. What was visible. By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that is now keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in the foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, uh, and and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand of the seashore. Let's pray. God, in the next few moments, as we study this word faith, I pray, God, that you'll illuminate to us what that means in our lives. Because, God, it's a word that we can just throw out there But, Lord, we need to apply it. It's essential in our journey. And so, God, I pray that you will help us to understand that, to see what that looks like for us. I thank you, Father, for those who are joining with us today, those who are watching in Star Valley, God, and those who will be watching in Malawi and other places. God, we just pray, Father, a blessing on them. Lord Jesus, we just ask that you you would apply your word to our hearts. And as we allow it to soak in, God, it will change us and make us who you need us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So throughout scripture, I wanted to read that part part of Hebrews because I think it's important for us to understand. There are men and women of the faith who we look at as heroes, but as we look at their stories a little bit more closely, what we can begin to understand is that God will give them a promise. He'll tell them something, and they have to walk that thing out even though they don't see it in the moment. Even though they don't understand how it's going to work, they don't see exactly how this promise that God has for them is going to happen. I can only imagine, as we look at this, it talks about Noah. And Noah, God says, hey, there's going to be a flood, and so you need to begin to build a boat. And he's like living in a place where there's no water, and he begins to build this boat. And it's not like it just took him a day he worked on it and worked on it and worked on it, and I can only imagine that his neighbors came, and, and they probably were like, dude, what are you doing, man? What is that thing? And he's like, hey, you know, God told me to build a boat, and so I'm building this boat, and they've got to be thinking, you are nuts, and we've got to be real as we look at these Bible characters because sometimes we think, oh, these were just men and women who never doubted. They always just knew that they knew that they knew. But can I tell you, that's not true. So I want to take a few moments as, we, as we're going to talk about faith. I want, us to, I want us to address the elephant in the room. I think sometimes the church has made it taboo to even talk about doubt. We've got to pretend everything is okay. We've got, to, we've got to never question anything. We've got to show that we are strong no matter what. And what happens is because we've done that, oftentimes we're left to deal with our doubts in our own personal time. And I don't know about you, but if we're honest, we all have them, right? We can, we can say, yeah, I trust God, and we do. But yet there's still those moments in our faith journey where we struggle, where we do doubt, where we're questioning, am I, am I actually hearing God? Did God actually tell me to do this? Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Because it doesn't seem to look the way you think it should look in that moment. But if we are a place where we can't let anybody have any doubt or we can't ever discuss doubt, then what happens is we do that in our personal time, in our private time, and then it can become dangerous. So I want this to always be a place where if you're struggling, you can say, you know what, I'm struggling right now. I'm having a hard season. I'm having a hard time with this understanding where God is in the middle of my story. In Christian circles, we often don't allow doubt talk, so you find yourself fighting doubt on your own or alone. God wants us to be real with each other. Amen. Weaknesses and all. Doubt and all. Jude chapter one, verse 22 says, be merciful to those who doubt. Can I tell you, one of my favorite stories as of recently is, is the dad who comes to Jesus and, and, and the, the, his child's not doing well and comes to Jesus and says, I believe, but, but help me with my unbelief. Like that's just honest. And you know what Jesus didn't do? He didn't chastise that man. He didn't go, he go, well, you've seen what I can do, so how could you doubt? You've seen what, I, what I've already accomplished, so how is it that you could ever even doubt me? Instead, Jesus just does what Jesus does. He steps into that man's story and he heals his child. And so out of that, what we need to understand is it's not our place to judge each other when we find ourselves in doubt. In fact, my hope is is that as a a church community, there will be seasons in your life that you may be struggling and you may be feeling some doubt And my hope is, is if you're real about that, then people can come around you who are in a place where maybe their faith is as strong as it's ever been and they can come alongside you and they can, they can hold your arms up during that season. And then if the season flips and you begin to feel as though, as though, uh, you know, there, your, your faith is strong and you're moving forward and you're, you're so, you're so good with God right now that, that a person can't pass you in Home Depot that you don't stop and lay your hands on and pray for them right? And then that same person that was there for you, now maybe they're struggling and you can step into their story and you can say, Hey, listen, I get it. You're struggling, but, but we'll pray and we'll be with you and we'll walk this journey out with you. And all of a sudden now there's strength across the body of Christ because we're being honest with each other. If we were honest, we all doubt. Doubting is okay. Okay. It is when we allow doubt to stop us from acting that it becomes an issue. That's good. That's good. See, that's when, we, that's when we begin to have problems. If if you experience doubt in your life, so if you feel like God's laid something on your heart and you're struggling to figure out how to get to that place, we just read a list of biblical heroes who God said this is going to be, but yet they didn't see it. I even think one of my favorite stories is as we look at Abram and Sarai and 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 they don't have any kids and they're struggling and and God says hey i'm going to you're going to you're going to have so many kids it's going to be a nation and and so he changes they changed their names to sarah and abraham which which is is basically a pronouncing that that i'm going to be a father of many children but for years she still didn't get pregnant so in that moment you can't tell me that there wasn't some doubt You can't tell me that there weren't mornings of struggle or evenings of worry or wondering if they heard God properly or if they didn't hear God, but it's it's when we stop short because all of a sudden we doubt that we have a problem. When we have those doubts, we need to just go, yeah, I'm not seeing what God's saying, but yet I'm going to keep moving towards that goal because I believe him and I take him at his word and I trust him even though I don't see it right now. I know that he's with me. I know that he's faithful. I know that he's good. I know that he will always be there. So I want to look at a specific story with you this morning. Uh, Joshua has taken over this great crusade to go from Egypt, and he's bringing the children of Israel to the promised land. And, And if you know that story, then you know that it was... It was, a, it was a big ordeal. It took a lot longer than it should have taken. There was a lot of obedience and then disobedience and a lot of listening and then not listening and just all of those things in, in wrapped in this story. But now they find themselves on the, on the brink of being in the promised land. They find themselves on the, on, the, uh, on the finish line. And as they get to the finish line, they've got to cross the Jordan River. And as they're going to cross the Jordan River, it is flooded. And so now they can't cross. And so Joshua addresses the people, and he says, attention, listen to what God, your God, has to say. And so in Joshua chapter 3, we see this. It says, uh, starting in verse 11, look at what's before you, the chest of the covenant. Think of it. The master of the entire earth is crossing the Jordan as you watch. Now take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man from each tribe, when the soles of the feet of the priests carrying the chest of God, master of all the earth, touch the Jordan's water, the flow of the water will stop. The water coming from upstream will pile up in a heap. Verse 14. And that's what happened. The people left their tents to cross the Jordan, led by the priests carrying the chest of the covenant. When the priests got to the Jordan and their feet touched the water at the edge, the Jordan, overflow, the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest. The flow of the water stopped. It piled up in a heap a long way off at Adam, which is near Zarethan. The river went dry the way down uh, The way down to the Arabath Sea, the Salt Sea, and the people crossed facing Jericho, verse 17. And there they stood, those priests carrying the chest of the covenant, stood firmly planted, On dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on dry ground. Finally, the whole nation was across the Jordan and not one wet foot. So, this is an interesting story, but I think there's some stuff in the details that we can learn from. So here they they come to the finish line. They're about to cross into this promised land and they're at the Jordan River and it is flooded. And so now God gives them a command and he says, hey, here's the deal. You're gonna get the priests. They're gonna take the Ark of the Covenant uh, and then they're going to stand. They're gonna walk out into the water. And as they do, the river's gonna dry up. Now that sounds really great and that sounds like an awesome plan. And we know that God is with them. So obviously that's what he's going to do. But what we don't understand until you actually dig into this story is what actually had to take place in order for this to happen. So as we look at these, these, these guys are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, says that they'll walk out into the water. And as they walk out into the water, says the water began to heap up a long ways off. So if we were to go down to the river right after church today, and we were to go and stand in the river or stand by the river, and the river is flowing, but miles and miles and miles upstream, it begins to stop. How many of you know it doesn't stop immediately where we're standing then? There's still water flowing at that moment, right? It takes some time. So that water begins to heap up miles and miles and miles away. And these men go and they stand in the water waiting. Can I tell you, nothing changed at the moment they stood in the water? It looked the same. If it's heaping, I I think it's not an accident that that scripture makes it clear. That it is going to, that it, that it happened way far away. Why? Because faith is when we stand in the water and nothing changes at the moment. But we still wait. Yeah. We still trust. We still believe him. See, it's, it's, it's easier if when I put my foot in the water, boom, the water disappears. Yes, that's awesome. And sometimes God does that. Sometimes that's the way your problems are. You trust God, you step into them, and immediately, boom, everything changes and it's good. But that's not usually how it works. Usually what happens is God says, put your feet in the water and I'll start drying up the river upstream. See, they couldn't even see that the water was drying up. They couldn't even see that anything had changed. They got in the water, they stood there, and can I tell you what happens in that moment? Joshua is now the leader of the children of Israel. He says, Thus saith the Lord. He says, Put put our men in the water and we'll walk across on dry land. So all the people come out of their tents, they're super excited. This is going to be amazing. God always does incredible miracles. Remember the Red Sea? Remember what that was like? That was so cool. Our our forefathers were telling us about some of the stuff that they got to see. It's incredible. So this is going to be awesome, guys. Wait till these guys set foot in the river. So they do. They put their feet in the river, and nothing looks any different. So guess what happens? I'll guarantee it. It doesn't say it in the Bible, but it doesn't have to because people's characters are the same. People on the shores... Begin to murmur and complain. Guaranteed. Guaranteed that they start going. If Moses was here, this would look different. I wish Moses was still in charge. Because when Moses hit that rock and and the sea, when we saw it, it happened. These guys are standing out in the water. This is ridiculous. I'm going back to my tent. Nothing's gonna happen right? It's, the, it's human nature. It's nature to question. It's nature to assume the worst. And so in this moment now, Joshua's probably standing on the side going, hey, I'm being faithful. This is what I was, this is what I was told to do. And, and I'm believing and I know, but I, I got to think that for a second, there might've been a moment of doubt in Joshua that he might've been like, did I hear it right? Because they're standing there. I'm not seeing nothing change. That water's still rushing. There's nothing moving. There's nothing different. But see, it's in that moment that we have a decision to make. Because Joshua could have let them stand there for just a minute or two and went, "Uh, Hey, guys, let's regroup on the shore. Why don't you come back over here? Let's rethink what we're doing. Right? But what do we do when we begin to doubt? It's in that moment that we make big decisions. It's in that moment that we decide where our faith finds itself. Because that moment Joshua says, listen, I'm going to trust because I believe that God told me this. I believe that, that God has, has brought us to this place and that he'll bring us through this place. So even though it's hard, I'm going, to, I'm going to trust him. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 23 it says, let the spirit change your way of thinking. So in other words, we've got to get to a place where we begin to see things through the spirit instead of through just our eyes. Because Joshua was standing on the riverbank looking at these guys standing in the water and the water's still rushing. If he just saw it through his flesh and through his eyes, he would have probably began to question and he might have called them back. But Joshua said, I've got to see things through the eyes of my God. I've got to see things through the, my spirit and understand who God is and that what he says actually goes. And what he tells me, he always delivers. And even if it doesn't look the way that I, because can I tell you, God didn't have to do it this way. He's God. I mean, he could have have held back the flooding season if he wanted to. He could have said, yeah, I know every every time during this time of the year it always floods, but I know my children are coming, so I'm going to hold back the flood for a little bit. He could have done that, and then this story wouldn't even be in there. They just went across the Jordan River, went to the promised land, boom, end of story. But he didn't. He allowed it it to flood. And then inside of that, the other thing he could have done is he could have just said, hey, when you guys get to the Jordan watch, I'm going to just dry it up. It's going to be amazing. You're going to love it. And then they could have just crossed, but he didn't. He wanted them to participate in the miracle. For some of you, you're waiting on a miracle, but he's wanting you to participate in the miracle. He's wanting you to get your feet wet. He's wanting you to step out into the river and trust him even though it doesn't look any different in the moment. So, so they get there, and, and again, he could have even had it start piling up where they could see it. That would have been nice. Like all of a sudden they put their feet in, and all of a sudden the water just starts piling up. They'd have been like, sweet. But he didn't. It said it was a long ways off. Why? He wanted to see if they'd trust him. Because, see, faith is what you don't see. Faith is that moment where it's, it's far off and you don't understand it, but I'm still going to trust you even though it doesn't look the way I think it should look. Throughout the Bible, we see an important truth illustrated over and over, and that is the Holy Spirit releases his power the moment you take a step of faith. Hallelujah. So when Joshua was faced with an impassable barrier... The floodwaters of the Jordan River receded only after the leaders had stepped into the Russian current. It was through their obedience and their faith. Can I tell you that obedience unlocks God's power? Yeah. Obedience unlocks God's power. So even as we think about this, as we started that, that scripture in Hebrews, it said that faith, we, we start our faith journey by understanding that we believe that God is the God who created all things. That he, that he is the one that spoke everything into existence. We also, our faith journey then continues as we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we understand that he came and he died on a cross for our sins and that actually meant something. And then our faith continues as we believe that not only did he die on the cross, but that he rose again on the third day. See, all of those things are things that we can't see, but we believe. And as we believe, those, those, are, those are part of our faith journey. But inside of that now, as we walk this thing out and we say, hey, faith is essential, it's essential for that reason, of course, because in order for us to even be walking this thing out, we've got to believe the things I just said. But inside of that, the other part of this is we've got to also know that God is continually speaking to us and he continually has dreams and plans and desires for our lives. And you may sit in the room today and you go, why would God even care about me? Why would he want to talk to me? Can I tell you, you were designed and created on purpose. He placed you in this place, in this, in, in this part of history for a reason. And if you don't know that, hear it today because it's absolute truth. There's no one that is here that God is like, eh, I just had some extra stuff, so I made them. No, he, he needs you. So as you, as you increase your faith and you begin to walk out your faith journey, then what needs to happen inside of you is you need to begin to listen and hear God's voice. And as you hear God's voice, then you begin to walk out what he's asking you to do. And sometimes it's going to mean stepping into a flooding river that makes no sense. And even as you stand there and the water is hitting your, hitting your legs and you're wondering, where are you, God? You've got to understand that the, that the river is heaping up miles away and he's preparing for dry ground for you. And the thing I love about this is these these men who stood out in the river, and and maybe they even got mocked a little bit, or maybe some of their friends were like, dude, it ain't working, come back. (laughs) Nothing's changing. You look like an idiot, right? We all have those kind of people in our lives. And so these guys stood, and because they stood, the rest, of the generations walked on dry ground. Some of you need to hear that today. Because we need to stand. We need to stand. It's easy, it's easy to, to falter. It's easy to go, ah, it doesn't feel like I'm changing anything. It doesn't feel like me standing here is doing anything. And all these people back here are starting to mock me a little bit. So, I'll just go back and we'll regroup. No, it's time for us to stand. And that's the only way that the other generations get to walk on dry ground, is if this generation stands. Don't wait to feel powerful or confident, move ahead in your weakness, doing the right thing in spite of your fears and your feelings. See, a lot of times we don't want to move in something because we don't feel powerful enough or we feel like we're not strong enough to do it or whatever. But the reality is, is, is if we only do something that we know we can do, that's not actually faith. Right. Faith is stepping into something that you don't think you have the ability to do. But you're trusting him because he's called you to do it. The power of your story It can remind others. It can show other people in your life that, that if you walk in this thing and you're like, man, I don't know that I'm strong enough to do this. I don't know that I have the ability to do this, but I'm trusting because God's asked me to do it. Inside of that, then all of a sudden other people begin to see, wow, if that guy can move in that, then, how much, then what, what does God want to do inside of my life? As we look at scripture, we need to understand, I already told you that it says, let the spirit change the way of thinking. And in Romans chapter 12, it says, the Bible says that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. So what does that mean? It means that when we accept Christ into our life and we begin to walk out this faith journey, that all of a sudden, the way we think needs to change. We need to begin to see things through his eyes. Because if we were to, if you were to get some of the greatest minds who are, are like the people who go out into nature and they understand they understand, you know, how to be safe and to do all the things that you need to do. The, the people that go hiking all the time. And you said, hey, we came across a river that's flooded and it's too high to get across. Could you give us your opinion as to how we should cross it? And they'd have all kinds of little plans that they could come up with and all of those things. But one of those plans would not be, hey, take the heaviest box that you got and go stand in it. Right? That's, nobody would, that's not an idea. They'd be like, no, what are you talking about? That's not what you do. But God says, take this box that is very heavy and get 12 guys to stand in the river and I'll heap the water up upstream and you can walk on dry land. We got to understand that when we accept Christ and we begin this faith journey, the more we put our faith in him, the more we trust him, the more we, we step into things that don't make a lot of sense to us, then all of a sudden there's a renewing of our mind. And it changes the way we see this world. Because if we see this world only by what I see is reality, only what what comes into these eyeballs is what's actually truth or what can only be, then all of a sudden we're limited. But if we go, hey, I'm going to stand in this water, and even though I don't see a change happening in this moment, I believe that miles upstream, water is heaping up. Because that's the God that I serve. Deuteronomy chapter 27 tells us that um, the, even before this event, Moses had told the children of Israel, he said, the, the day is going to come that you're going you're to step into the promised land. And when you do, I want us to build a monument reminding ourselves of what God's done. And so he told them to start gathering rocks to build a monument. Now, that's, oh, that's cool. He told them to gather rocks. They're walking through the wilderness carrying all their belongings. And he's like, hey, you know what I'd like you also to do is grab some rocks and put those in your bag and carry those around. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd be like, dude, where we're going, won't there be rocks? Can't we just grab a rock when we get there? I don't really want extra weight in my bag right now. But Moses said, do it. And then when we get to this story, Joshua says, as they cross, he said, we're going to take these rocks and we're going to build a monument so we always remember what God did. Now, what does that have to do with us? I think this is so important because as we look at this, we need to realize that we have stories inside of our lives. If you're in this room and you've accepted Christ into your life, some of you have um, incredible stories of of coming out of addiction or, or out, of, out of whatever your story is. And, and then God steps into your story and he changes everything for you. And so when you walk into a season where it's like, oh man, the river in front of me is flooded, you need to have that moment where you can look back and go, yeah, but look what God already did. Like the children of Israel standing on the banks of that water, it must have felt for a moment like, oh, this is impassable. But remember the story of the sea? How I many of you know a sea is much bigger than a river? If God can split a sea, a river is not that big of a deal. And so, so we need to have those moments where, we, where we, we remember. And for some of you, what you need to understand is sometimes God allows hard things to happen in your life to add stones to your monument. Because maybe what's coming down the road is even a little harder. And so you may go, so Jason, are you tell me you want us to like get some rocks and put it in our yard or what are we doing with that? Maybe. If you want to do that, that's fine. Otherwise, maybe it's just journaling. Maybe it's, maybe you've heard that term before. Maybe you've heard somebody say, oh, we, you, know, we, you should journal when you read the Bible or when you spend time with God. You know, journaling for you might just be even just writing down. Hey, you know what? I was going, I'm going through something really hard right now, and I don't know how I'm going to get to the other side of it. And you begin to write those things down, and then as you pray, you see, oh, God showed up, and he did this thing, and you write that down. And now... Two years from now, you're walking through something harder and you can go back to your journal and you can begin to read and go, oh, and what happens? Your faith rises, right? Because now you see God's history in your life. You see what he's already done. The problem is oftentimes we get to the riverbank and that's all we can see is the flood in front of us. We go, man, God, why did you bring us this far? You brought us all the way here and now we can't even pass. Thanks. And he's like, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I want to do another miracle in your life. But you got to trust me. The problem is many times we'll stop at the riverbank and we'll just go, you know what, I'll just set up camp here. We did a whole series called Through where we talked about, you know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It, it still says that you're going to get to the valley of the shadow of death. It even says that you're going to be in it, but you got to walk through it. You've got to get to the other side. You've got to trust him and know that he is God and he is always good. When things get rough and doubts arrive, we need to go back to the riverbank and look at our monument that we've set up. We need to remember who the God is that we serve. I'm asking everybody in the room if you'll close your eyes with me for a few moments. And as we do this, I want to just take a moment because I believe that there are some of you that as you sit here today or you're watching online, you may be in a place where you feel as though you've you've come to a a river. You've come to something that seems like it's going to stop any forward progress in your life. And this morning, my hope for you is that you'll come to a place where, first of all, you'll allow yourself to hear from God. Because God is always speaking. He's always giving you direction. He's always wanting to better you and to make you uh, come to a place where you're hearing him and you're understanding his will. So today, maybe that's the first step in this is for you to come to a place where you begin to hear him. Where you begin to say, God, I've been fighting this thing on my own. I've been trying to figure out how to get across this, this divide in my life and I don't know how to do it. And now it's going to be a moment of of just saying, God, will you speak to me? Will you give me direction? See, this whole story doesn't happen if Joshua doesn't listen for what God's instructions are. And then once he hears the instructions, he says, hey, guys, this is what we're doing. And they begin to proceed. But even then, the men get in the water and nothing changes. And it feels like this is the wrong move. And maybe that's where some of you find yourself today. You've already prayed, God's told you what you need to do, and you, and you find yourself standing in the river and it doesn't feel like anything's changing. Well, today I want to encourage you to stand, to stand. For some of you, even as I say those words, it's that your children seem so far off in this moment. Maybe they're not serving God. Maybe you're not, maybe whatever. Maybe you don't have relate. Whatever that looks like for you, I just really feel like this is that moment where God is saying, I've told you, so stand. Maybe for some of you, you're in, a, in financial crisis right now and you're you hear Bob get up here and talk about giving to the church and that's so far from your mind right now because you just feel like I'm already overwhelmed. Everything is flooding on me and I don't know what to do with that, and I'm telling you right now, listen to what his word says and stand. Whatever your story, whatever your situation, hear his word, spend time in his word, pray, ask for him to speak to you, he will. Follow his instructions and stand. Even if it doesn't look like anything is changing, stand. I don't know how long it would take for miles and miles of flooded water to recede. I don't know the answer to that, but I know that it doesn't happen instantaneously. I know that there were moments where probably people stood in water and doubted, but they stood. A challenge to you today is stand. Don't give up, don't give in. Trust this God that we serve because he is good. And He sees you. So today we're going to end with just one more song of worship. There's going to be prayer teams up here. If you need prayer for anything, they would love the opportunity to pray with you. Maybe you just need to come to an altar and say, God, will you give me direction? Will you speak to me this morning and show me what I need to do? I'll be obedient with whatever you ask of me. I want to pray over you. We're going to worship. God, we're so grateful that as we look at how essential faith is in our lives, that, God, you have given us clear examples of how we can walk this thing out. So, Father, I pray for those who right now feel as though the floods are overwhelming. God, I pray that they'll stand. I pray that they'll trust. I'll pray that even though their eyes are saying nothing is changing, that, God, their spirit would begin to be in tune with yours, and they'd understand that even though they can't see it in this moment, That you're doing a miracle upstream and they just need to wait on you. God, we give you all the praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. The altars are open. The prayer teams are here. Just feel free to come. Hey, thanks for listening.